0: Welcome to The Room to Write, and we're doing a series called The Journey of a Story, where we highlight local authors and talk about how they write and what they write, and today we have Satin Russell, and she has a couple of books, and she's going to talk about them and talk about her writing process. Welcome, Satin. Thank you. And I guess, first of all, before I ask any question, I should ask, is Satin your real name? Yes. Because <laughs> I know I'm wondering that. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yes, actually, it is my real name. Thankfully, I cannot take credit for it. It's my mom. Uh, My sister's name is Meadow. My brother's name is Tim. (laughs) Very (laughs) fitting. Okay. I I know that sometimes people have
0: pen names, so I figured I'd start us off with that.
1: You know, I thought about doing a pen name because I was concerned about security, and I was thinking I'm the only satin in Massachusetts. It'd be so easy to find me. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, Everybody's going to assume it's a pen name anyway, <laughs> and it's so perfect for the genre that I'm writing in, in romance, so I thought I'd be silly not to use my name. Plus mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of ownership, you know, that you have to you kind of say, okay, this is really under my name, I better put out a quality product, I can't, there's no hiding, there's no, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand why people want to use pen names, but for me, there was, there was a lot to do with that too, so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So why don't we find out about how you got into writing, uh, why you picked the genre that you did pick and if that was something that just came natural or if that was a conscious choice after trying some other ones out and sort of where did you start as a writer and
1: when? Where did I start as a writer and when? Well, I've been a reader all my life and I've loved writing all my life. Um, but I moved away from what I thought I would be growing up. I thought I would be an author or an English teacher or something to do with language. And I took the opportunities that life gave to me and I became a financial advisor, which is completely opposite. (laughs) And I was, it was the eve of my 36th birthday and I found myself waking up at three in the morning, staring at the ceiling and thinking to myself, how did I get here, and how do I get over there? You know, like how do I make this jump? And um, now, d- did you think, how did I get here? Because you didn't like where you were, I didn't like or what I was what, doing. Is it that you, was
0: it not creative enough, or what was it about that that made you want to change?
1: It was just an ill fit. Um, I. I'm not really a numbers person. i'm not I'm not really into you know, finances. The best part of my job when I was a financial advisor was sitting down and talking to people and making the stock market, you know, accessible to them and explaining what stocks were and explaining what mutual funds were and helping them with their retirement fund retirement accounts. But so the the personal like interaction with people, I, I appreciated that. but, everything else about that industry was exactly opposite of who I am. And I felt like I really wasn't taking advantage of my strengths and I wanted to make a change and I just didn't know how. So I went to, um, I went to my husband on my 36th birthday. We were out having a birthday dinner, you know, and I was just saying, look, this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, I, I just need to make a change. I'm not, I don't want to wake up when I'm 60 and regret my life and wish that I'd never done this, you know, mm-hmm. and to his credit, he didn't laugh me out of the room, you know. Um, he really listened and he heard what I was trying to say, and, and, but he did say, you know, don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? something we hear a lot about writers, actually, and yeah. we're curious to see how, how you're able to do that. Yeah, he said, don't quit your day job, but let's make a plan. So we set a number of goals for ourselves for the next year. Um, you know, pay off all our credit cards, save uh, up X amount of money. Um, I, I made a goal, a personal goal, to participate in NaNoWriMo. And um, if you're not familiar with what NaNoWriMo is, it um, happens every November and it stands for National Novel Writing Month. The goal is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. So for me, I felt like that would be something that would prove to myself that I could sit down and I could have a, form a writing habit and I could produce the amount of words that I need to in order to make this jump. And um, that had a number of other benefits, thankfully. Um, I had a chance to uh, meet a local writing group, um, the Rhino Shores Writing Group, which was the Writers of the North Shore, Massachusetts North Shore. Okay. And I met um, some wonderful, pe- wonderful people there, including Lynn Favreau, who is just, has been, you know, kind of my partner in crime through this whole journey. And I can't express how grateful I am to have met her and all of the help that she's given me. But um, that was one of my personal goals for this first year. So um, next April comes rolling around, which my birthday's in April, okay. and it was like, Okay, it's been a year, and we've hit all of our goals, you know, um, am I really going to do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so you hit your goal, did you hit your goal I, with
0: NaNoWriMo? I hit my or? goal
1: with NaNoWriMo. Okay, yep. and how I've, did
0: you find out about NaNoWriMo? Because I've heard of it, but I just found out about it this year.
1: Um, you know, I had heard about it a couple of years pre- previous, like um, okay. about two years pre- before I actually participated. And the way that I heard about it was, um, again, I'm an avid reader. And um, I read this book called Wool by Hugh Howey. And um, he is a self-published author. And it was amazing. I just, I loved that book. And I don't know what it was about that book, but after I was finished with it, I was like, who is this guy? And I (laughs) actually went online and I looked him up, which You know, up until that point, books were books and Mm -hmm. authors were authors and there was a very like kind of a wall, you know, and I never tried to cross over or peek behind the wall, peek behind the curtain at the wizard, you know, like that was not something (laughs) I was doing. I just wanted to live in my books and like that was fine. But something about this book made me want to go and look him up online and um, he had a website and on his website he had forums and they were very active. And so I had a chance to start talking to um, him. He was very he was very active with his forums and uh, communicated a lot with his readers. He was very accessible, but also other authors and other readers. And so I started kind of building this community. And somebody on those forums had mentioned NaNoWriMo and I'd asked about it. So I heard about NaNoWriMo a couple of years you know, before, but it, it seemed very daunting. Mm-hmm. And um, th- when I had heard about it, it, was like in you know September or something, you know October. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't enough time for me to feel prepared to to try to do it the first time I'd heard it. But yeah. after two years and wanting to make this transition, and it just been kind of the seed that had been planted that slowly started growing and sprouting, and like. I was like, okay, this is going to be one of my goals that I, want, that I want to do, just to prove to myself that I actually can write and that I enjoy writing. I wanted to prove, you know, make sure that this was actually a move that it was worth trying to do. So, right. um, yeah, and I succeeded. I hit 50,000 words, and it felt so good. And now, you know? up
0: until that point, um, so, you know, the way it sounds like you turned 36 and you decided you didn't want to do this, but um, I'm imagining that you've been a, a writer of some form all your life. So mm-hmm. was this something you've sort of thought of in the past and then kind of said, no. I mean, did you already have anything written that you uh, jumped so from your ideas to writing uh, your books and things like that? Did you have sort of things in the drawer that you've written in the past, or did you not really write much and then
1: you just sort of turned it on? Well, I had a blog that I was writing, like a personal blog, just because I think I think a lot of writers feel compelled to write in some way, shape or form, all their lives, you know, like they, they read, they love this, they, they love communicating through words Mm -hmm. and language. And, um, and that, that's certainly how I feel about it anyway. So, um, yeah, so I I've been writing in a blog for a couple of years, and you know, just just little things like um, uh, life perspectives and little stories and vignettes of things that have happened to me that I always thought were kind of funny and wanted to write, kind of put down somewhere so that they were they existed in the world, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I don't have kids of my own, so in 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 some ways it was like a way of being able to kind of you know, maybe pass some of these stories on to my nieces and my nephews or to, to the world in general and have, have say, I was here, mm-hmm. you know, I existed, you know. Right. So there was a little bit of that, I would say, ego involved, <laughs> which, I you know, if you're mm-hmm. writing, that's probably, there's that's part of it, you know. Um, but uh, I never tried to write a book, mm-hmm. you know, a novel and sit down and try to write something that was, you know, more solid, mm-hmm. you know, and defined. So that was a big change. (laughs) And so where did you come up
0: with the idea for, for instance, your very first book? Did it just, was it something you went through a bunch of ideas or was it something that had been gnawing at you or what?
1: It's funny how, it's funny how ideas for stories come about for me. And I think, again, I don't think I'm unique in this way, but um, I'm, I pay attention to the news, I pay attention to the world around me, I find little things that are funny, um, headlines or, or articles. I have actually a Pinterest board that I keep, it's called Truth is Stranger Than Fiction, mm-hmm. and like if I find something that I think maybe might be a jumping off point for an idea later on down the road, I'll just put that you know, article there so I can access it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have um, a folder that I keep, so if I get just random ideas in my head, I usually will you know, write it down there and just leave it there. I don't have to flesh it out, but it's just a seed, and I'm gonna keep my seeds you know, there so I can you know, eventually harvest them. So um, I don't know exactly where the story of um, the Harper sisters came from, but I know that I'm very close to my sister, And I know that the relationship of these three sisters really, uh, um, you know, is kind of a reflection of the relationship I have with my siblings, to some extent. So um, I definitely know that that gets informed in that way. Um, As far as like her being having a stalker and all this other stuff, like, no, can't say that I've ever had like a major (laughs) stalker in my life that I've had to worry about. But... um, She, one of the main themes of my first book with Olivia Harper um, in Secret Hunger is that she's at a crossroads in her life and she's having to make a decision, you know, whether or not she goes back and she pursues a dream that she had to forsake or if she stays on the path that life has given her. And certainly Mm -hmm. that's where I was at in my life. And I think that a lot of people um, can relate to that idea of choosing the direction that your life is going to take as opposed to just reacting to what life hands to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, I liked that theme and I wanted to explore it further and then just you know the rest of it just kind of is in your imagination, and you just pull it out of right. thin air. <laughs> Literally, well, when you <laughs> talked
0: about uh, the stalker, and that wasn't obviously something that was true, but some mm-hmm. of the gist of the themes are from real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about sort of the fun of fiction, where mm-hmm. you can borrow something that you, you know, that is moves you to write about it, but then you can decide that, hey, this is I'm going to have some fun with it. I mean, right? Did you feel that when you start sort of? At Opened absolutely. yourself up to fiction versus writing
1: vignettes of your own life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and 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 I I'm one of those kind of weird people that likes to research, mm-hmm. like strangely. <laughs> <laughs> like I get onto a topic and I want to read everything I possibly can on that topic, for, you know, for a a day or a week, mm-hmm. and I just latch onto something and then and then I'm done. You know, so um, when you're a writer, you get that opportunity to do that. You know, do a deep dive, a short deep dive into a subject, and um, and learn what you can about it, and then kind of form it into the story that you need to. And then you can walk away, and you can go and explore some other topic. Mm. Um, I I my search terms were crazy for a secret hunger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, everything from well, obviously stalkers in general. You know, like I wanted to learn all about stalkers in general. Um, and gunshot wounds and um like trunks, various like getting c- stuck into car trunks and stuff like that and I learned all about like how late regulations GFBI came. For at those, like, some I, know. <laughs> I keep I keep thinking that they might come knock on my door at some point, like, hi Yenna an I'm somewhere. just a writer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like um oh, and then like for my second book it was all about like heroin overdoses and narcan use. Mm-hmm. I mean like it it's kind of crazy stuff, you know, but it, it's also a lot of fun to do that because then you can you can learn about a subject and um, and um, it keeps life really interesting. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're not just stuck into a box. Right. You know, so, so now
0: to picture you writing, what do you, like? What is the actual tangible process of how you write? Do you go sit on your back porch and use a pen and paper? Do you sit at your computer? Are you. Uh, Do you have a specific regimen that you do every day or, uh, and also with your editing process, so sort of walk us through like what is your actual tangible process of how you put words from your
1: mind onto uh, a page. Um, So I I wish that I could write at home (laughs) more than I do. When I try to stay at home and write, it becomes a very unproductive writing day uh, because you know I'm thinking about the dishes or the laundry or I could be doing this or I could be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix is calling, you know, <laughs> like so I have to get myself out. And mm-hmm. the other thing too is writing is such a solitary activity, and I'm such a social person, mm-hmm. and I recognize that. So if I stay at home in my yoga pants for like days on end, I I lose energy. You know mm-hmm. and I start to lose momentum and next thing you know I'm just like this like crazy weird hermit <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I was stuck on the couch <laughs> somewhere so I know that about myself so um I have to get up I have to put myself together so that you know I can walk around in public and not look weird you know mm-hmm. and I bring my computer and I right now I wrote my second book at Battlegrounds Coffee Company in Haverhill And um, um, I like coffee shops for that reason, like Mm -hmm. I've gone to, I I pretty much know every good coffee shop (laughs) with decent (laughs) Wi-Fi in my area, (laughs) you know, like uh, Newburyport through Haverhill, Amesbury, like all of it. So um, I love coffee shops and I'll just go and I'll, you know, form a relationship with those owners so they're not just like, who's the weird person who's always here. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll write for hours and I'll drink coffee and I'll get lunch or something like that and I'll write for 5 hours. Wow. Yeah. So, and um and that's the best way for me. I put my my earplugs in, I'll put a little bit of music on. Um I usually listen to like the like um Spotify chill out, you know, playlist something that has like a little bit of background sound but mm-hmm. not a lot of words because obviously the words will get kind of tangled up mm-hmm. into whatever is going on in my head. So Um, But just a little bit of background sound works for me. Um, The earplugs kind of, it's almost like a sensory cue for me. Like, okay, you're now get in your zone, you know, settle in. Um, And there's activity around just enough, but not so much that it's distracting for me. And I'll just sit there and I'll write. And, um, you know, you get to a a spot where it's a little tough or um, you know, you're trying to work something out, and you kind of look up, and you're still separated, you know, because you have your earplugs in, you're still separated, but you can kind of like watch people, and you see how they're interacting, and and it's actually a really great exercise um, to watch people like that anyway, because you start noticing um, mannerisms, and ways people communicate without words, and if you really kind of tune into that, some of that you can end up using in your writing and you can instead of saying she was angry you can say you know like her brows furrowed her you know her shoulders hunched she you know and and you understand like the body language that goes behind that and you can show instead of tell so it all kind of works together right (laughs) so now is that something you do every day or do you have a specific day
0: that you do that and then uh how did the words flow do you go in there do you sort of map your books out or do you just sort of which is the mantra of NaNoWriMo just let it take you for the ride like do you just picture a location and take your character there
1: or how do you go and do that um that process has changed actually it's been kind of a process process you know (laughs) um when i when i first started writing uh so i i put my two weeks in you know to work and my last day and my first day I'm, I'm a writer you know take my computer i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm going to be brilliant and write this book and um and i just sat down and i started writing and i kept writing myself into corners so there's two terms that people tend to um, use when they're refer- when they're referring to writers are you a pantser or are you a plotter and if you're a pantser it means that you write by the seat of your pants Right. So Mm -hmm. you just like sit down and you go and like it magically appears before you. And I thought I was a pantser because (laughs) I'm not one of those people that likes to color inside the lines. I don't you know, I always like to kind of bend the rules a little bit just because I can, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I was like, oh, I'm sure I'm a pantser. Well, (laughs) I I sat down and I started writing and it was like a month later and I kept writing myself into these corners and it was so frustrating. And if I changed my mind about how the story was supposed to go, then I'd have to go back and I'd have to switch, you know, switch it back, switch it back. And the further I went in the story, the more I'd have to like change if I changed my mind. And it was just very, very frustrating. So I realized that I needed to learn how to plot my book. So I set my, my story aside. And I researched, hi, I like to research, <laughs> and I found out that everybody and their dog has a different way of plotting. And so I tried a number of different ways. I tried like a whiteboard way. No, I don't really like that, you know. I tried the note card way, where you write down things and you kind of like shuffle them around and try to f- reorganize them mm-hmm. how you like it. No, I don't really like that. Um, I tried the outlining way. I was like, okay, I'm gonna outline everything. I am strangely OCD about my outlines, mm-hmm. and so every time I change my mind, I'd like sit there and have to try to change the structure on the outline, and I was thinking, this is for the birds, you know, mm-hmm. so I came up with kind of like a hybrid, where I do sort of outline, but I just say chapter, I don't number it. Mm -hmm. You know, I say chapter, I say the perspective of who that chapter is going to be. So is it from my heroine or my hero or my antagonist? Because I like to kind of do all three different perspectives. Um, The scene. So where are we located and then what needs to happen in this chapter? Like, what is the thing that I'm trying to accomplish with this chapter? And then and so that I go through the story and I try to write out the story and it's just like chapter you know, right now I'm working on Secret Dreams, so in my mind I'm thinking Alden or Fiona, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I say, okay, they're gonna be at the cabin or they're gonna be at, you know, Olivia's house or they're gonna be in the woods or they're gonna be in wherever they're gonna be, Mm -hmm. you know, and then why why am I writing this chapter? You know, what is, what is the point of this? And then as I work through the story and if I change my mind, I say, yeah, this one actually kind of needs to be here. I can just like copy paste it back where I need to. And it's not numbered. So I don't have to freak out, Right. you know? And so like I've learned how to plot in that way. And that seems to be working for me. So, Mm -hmm. and so do stories end the way that you plot
0: them out to end? Or do you feel that sometimes they, you have to go with a different avenue once you've gotten into a chapter or, or do you sort
1: of, change things at all on course well yeah I mean I, the the reason why I like this method is because it does leave room mm-hmm. to change and wiggle a little bit and shift and kind of you know fuzzy the lines a little bit like I don't really like hard lines for myself I tend to push against those so and I know that about myself so like I'm not gonna work well with an outline that provides hard lines you know mm-hmm. so um, it's very kind of loose you know and and organic in that sense but at least i have a i have a general sense of the direction of where i want my story to go and um and a lot of times i can see kind of how i want my ending to be mm-hmm. and and even if it's not 100% like i don't have the exact conversation in my mind like i i pretty much know how i want things to wrap up i know I know that I want the two to get together. (laughs) I know that I want it to be happily ever after. Like, that's kind of the beauty of romance, you know? So like, I I know that part anyway. And so I get a, I have a pretty good idea from there where how to get there, so. Okay. So you have
0: your first draft written. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, what's your editing process and your publishing process and are those two sort of mixed together or are they completely
1: separate? Uh, Well, Again, this has been kind of um, changed a little bit from first book to second book as I've seen how I need to do things. So with the first book, I wrote the first draft. I set it aside because I was told that you had to set it aside. I was also told that you needed an editor. And so I was like, did a lot of research on how to hire an editor, which there's a whole learning curve for how to hire an editor that I didn't know, you know, I needed to learn. So right. while I was setting it aside, I was trying to figure out how to hire an editor. And, um, and then I went back and I went through it the second time and then I sent it to my editor that and I had the hired. And what's cliff notes on how to hire an editor or some things you'd, if there's a big
0: <laughs> learning curve, what could
1: you uh, maybe offer up as just like just three quick a, pointers on uh, There's, the, there are different or, types of editors. That's the first thing that I, I didn't realize. So there are developmental editors. There are um, kind of proofreading editors. There's, you know, like content editing. So like it's a like grammar and stuff like that. So you have to figure out what kind of editor you want. And I, I knew I needed probably some developmental editing, but I also needed like grammar and sentence, you know, like mm-hmm. to find anything that's big or t- uh, tense. Tense can be a little Mm -hmm. tricky, you know, especially if you're going at it every day. After a while, like maybe you slip from present tense into past tense and then back again, and you Mm -hmm. don't even realize that you've done that because it was like last week, Mm -hmm. you know. So like when you go through your read-through, that's one of the things that you want to look at. And so I knew I needed like a little bit of a hybrid editor. Um, And uh, what you should do is you should try to find anywhere from five to eight editors and uh, reach out to them and say you were interested in you know hiring an editor Uh, make sure that they work within your genre that's also very important Mm -hmm. and from there i would say um, you want to send them a sample of your writing and get it back Mm -hmm. and then if you can appreciate it like if you work well with the comments Mm -hmm. then maybe you can go from there but then once you hire an editor set expectations early and go back, you know, refer back to them often. So mm-hmm. if you say, I want to try to get this published by such and such time, I need to get this draft done by such and such time, I would like to have updates like weekly or monthly or whatever it is that you need to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, really solidify your expectations and communicate them with your editor. Otherwise, you're going to send them that draft, you may not hear from them again for months. Okay. <laughs> and that's a problem, right. you know. So um, all of those things I had to learn. Okay. Yeah, I know we're running a little bit I low know,
0: <laughs> There's so many wonderful <laughs> things. Uh, so sort of maybe just even skip to now you've gotten your editor mm-hmm. and I'm guessing you just went with a professional editor. You didn't,
1: uh, besides the Rhino Shores, maybe? you. Well, now with the second with the second book, what I've done is I, I actually sent my rough draft. I cleaned up my rough draft. I sent it to my alpha reader, which mm-hmm. is Lynn in this case. Okay. Got her comments, incorporated her comments, cleaned that up again. Then I sent it to my editor, and then I sent it to my beta readers. And with my beta readers, I sent a list of 10 questions that helped direct their reading so I don't just get like, yay, it's wonderful, I love it, you know, like, I need something that's going to be more constructive than that. Mm -hmm. So I ask questions like, when was the first time you put this down? Well, if everybody's putting the book down at the same place, right. I know I have to pay attention to the pacing. Right. So, um, so I, you know, send them a list of 10 questions, get that back, incorporate those, send it back to my editor for a final, like, kind of clean-up polish, mm-hmm. and then by that point, I feel pretty good about there it.
0: Go. Yeah. Uh, so, in sort of the last few uh, minutes, uh, any sort of tips or uh Last advice that you could give for somebody who does want to self-publish, uh, and uh, even just getting to that point in general?
1: Uh, gosh, write every day, for sure. Don't, I, I would say, um, don't be afraid to own that title of writer or author. Um, A lot of times people go, oh, I'm an aspiring. No, you're not aspiring. You're writing? You're a writer. (laughs) Um, So don't be afraid to do that. Um, I would say if you decide, understand that as an author, it's a business as well as a creative art, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you really need to sit down and think about why you want to publish. Are you trying to publish because it's a story and you just want to see your name on a cover? Totally legitimate reason, mm-hmm. but understand that that's why you're doing it. Maybe, you know, like a one-off vanity press is fine. You know, right. I, I, wouldn't des- I wouldn't personally suggest going that way just because it tends to cost more money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wanting to be an au- like a real author, you're wanting to, this to be a career that you actually make money at, um, sit down and make a five-year plan. Uh, set a, out an objective statement of why you're doing it. Um, recognize that this is a marathon and not a sprint and then be willing to constantly go back and learn more because there's always going to be something else out there and the publishing industry changes about every 18 months or so. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something new or some big thing. So, um, if you think that that's your personality where you're willing to do that kind of work, um, then I would say self publish, you know, it's, it's, It's a viable option now, you know, and um, with the tools that are available through Amazon and CreateSpace and IngramSpark and LightningSource and like any number of things, like, um, you can go and upload your files and print out a book and it's yours and it, you know, it costs you the cost of the cover and the formatting, so. Um, Thank you, Satin. You're you're welcome. uh, You got all (laughs) that i can't imagine <laughs> uh, and there's still so many things i'd love to uh, talk a lot. to you about
0: yeah. but uh, i thank you for coming today thank to you share me. your experience and your knowledge with us and uh if anybody else would like to join us in the room to write please contact me at colleen at the room to and visit my site and thank you satin again thank you